You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks. We give you praise for this opportunity to gather for again for our friend Joe, um, for his servant's ministry, this ministry of the gospel um, for many years, and that you so wonderfully call us together as a community of faith, and you um, you call us to share in this ministry of the gospel together, um, that we might be those who are filled with the light of Jesus, your Son, uh, and filled in such a way that that light um, flows through us, um, that it might shine in a dark world. As we're gathered today, Lord, ultimately I pray, not my words, but I pray that Jesus, your Son, your living word would go forth, that he would take root in our hearts and bear in them the life and the salvation which are found in you. And this I ask and offer in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. So this is our, this is our fourth week. We've been walking through some different themes of uh, mainly sort of Advent, but also leading up to the Christmas season, and we talked about some of the peculiarities of, of Advent, and, and yet also in those peculiarities, how they're so similar um, to life. There's, there's much of the now and not yet um, about the Advent season, and we look uh, and prepare ourselves in, in joy to marvel again um, that God would take on flesh, uh, that he would come into the world. Such was his love that he was willing to, uh, as Hark the Herald Angel sang wonderfully says, uh, mild he lays his glory by. Uh, such was his love for you and for me. And we, we read in Philippians 2 um, uh, an, a hymn of the early church that expressed uh, the magnitude of God's love for us, that he would come into the world humbly, um, vulnerably, that he might seek us, that he might save us. And today I thought we would read from the uh, first chapter of John's Gospel, what's sometimes called the prologue of, of John's Gospel. And it's, um, it's, it's meaty and meaningful, it's, it's beautiful and poetic. Um, not surprisingly, um, there, is, uh, there is much more than, um, than I'll be able to lead out of it this morning. Uh, I've, always, um, I've always loved this, and I've always, in many ways, associated it with this season, and we hear it uh, read um, through this season. Uh, I do have a certain amount of trepidation as I begin it, because I remember back in the day in college, at one point, I was taking um, Introduction to Public Speaking and Philosophy. I was taking those two courses simultaneously, and I thought I was pretty smart that I was going to combine a philosophy assignment um, along with my um, public speaking. Uh, and uh, you know, thankfully, as we were all beginning, um, they only gave us five minutes. Um, we had five minutes, and the idea was to have an introduction, three points, and a conclusion. Maybe you all... Maybe you took that course uh, in college as well. And again, I was taking philosophy and public speaking. I thought I was going to be really bright. And so um, the topic I had was the problem of suffering in the world. Um, and so I thought I would, you know, at, at 18, go ahead and sum that up quickly um, for everyone there. Not surprisingly, it tanked. Um, you know, it's one of those I got into, so I thought, what, <laughs> what, what, have, I, what have I done? Um, and so I thought I would pursue a job which involved public speaking. So such was my early success um, that, that, here I am, that here I am today. Um, begin with um, a, just a little bit, kind of a, a story uh, as we hear about the word um, which was w with God in the beginning and the word which became flesh. And one of the words I want to 
focus on today is real. I want to focus on the word um, real. And uh, real is one of those words that, that, that we hear often. And in many ways, we're looking for something real, aren't we? Um, we, we say that we like people who are, um, who are real. Um, we say, hey, get, tell me the real deal. <laughs> don't, give me, don't, give me the, don't give me the public version. What's the, what's the real deal? What's the story um, behind the story? Give, don't give me the partial truth. Give me the real truth. Um, we're, we're all looking for and longing for something which is real. And uh, I know uh, early on in my life, a, a, a big part of my coming to faith um, came through, I guess with all of us, came through just sort of um, hardships and, and frustrations and looking for answers. I was speaking with someone recently. So I have um, I've lived in Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, Florida, um, Tennessee, um, and Texas. Um, I, I've driven through uh, Mississippi and Louisiana, and so I kind of you know picked those up in, in that way. But early on, we, we moved all the time. That was just sort of part of our part of our part of our life was moving with with regularity. And as you might imagine, um, I found that uh, I found that frustrating um, moving um, all the time. And uh, one of the things that seemed like no sooner that I put roots down than they'd be pulled up. And off we'd go to a new place, a new school, um, to have to make new friends, um, you know, sort of get, get your feet under you and get some sort of foundation of roots once again. And it's, I, I found that uh, frustrating. I found that in some ways um, uh, destabilizing. Well, I was incredibly fortunate, for goodness sakes. But, um, but that, was, that was part of the feeling and that was part of the frustration. You know, interestingly, I would say as an aside, I think we're all in some ways living reactively. Um, and so one of the things that I've made sure of is that that wouldn't happen to my kids. And I can remember talking about them, talking about that with them one, of the, one day about how I really wanted y'all to be in one place and go to one school and all that kind of good stuff. And one of the kids was like, nah, that's kind of overrated. Um, so, it's, so anyway, uh, maybe she wished we had moved around more, um, but there you go. You're always sort of in some ways living in a reactionary way. But one of the things in my own life, um, not surprisingly, that, that, that frustration of that. And um, in high school, and I won't get into all the um, details, but one thing I can assure you of is I was not in youth group. Um, uh, you, you wouldn't have found me, um, uh, and it wasn't because of, and let me just say, uh, let's put that on me, not my parents. Um, mom and dad were, were fantastic, and I, you know, I was baptized, and I was confirmed when we lived in Florida. I went to uh, an Episcopal high school, and so, you know, all these uh, all these seeds were there, um, but they, they had absolutely no meaning for me. Um, and again, I, I would love to blame everybody else, but, but in large part, that was me. It wasn't mom and dad. It wasn't the Sunday school teachers. It wasn't the clergy um, that uh, were around me, but, but found all those things in many ways um, meaningless. And I began to sort of read and to search for truth in, in different uh, in different mediums, uh, in different pursuits. And in all of those, um, they all came back to me empty, um, whether that was accomplishment or um, sort of accomplishment or successes or accumulations. Those seemed insufficient. Reading uh, sort of Zen Buddhism and this, that, and the other, and, and reading and dabbling and all of that found those returning to me empty as well. And one of the things that that happened and it was difficult in the process was obviously uh, a lot of going to war with my parents at this time and a lot of behavior which was, um, we'll call it destructive, um, 
to automobiles and myself and, and all sorts of things. Uh, but one of the things that was remarkable was I never found the final straw with my parents. Um, and I gave them plenty of opportunities um, to say, you know what, you want to wreck your life, go wreck your life. Um, uh, we, you know, we, we did the best we could. We're, we're, we're done. We've, we've had it. And, and the reason that I share that story with you was in that process, not immediately. Um, if any of you have teenagers, take heart. It wasn't immediate um, that, I, that I experienced that. But those, those seeds were planted and all of those biblical words which I'd heard began to take on flesh. Um, they began to be real um, to me. Through that, through that relationship um, with my parents, they were, they were grounded um, in their Christian faith. Again, very uh, imperfect, very flawed in that and the way that they practiced it. But that, that grounding uh, in the grace and the mercy and the love of Jesus Christ, that was the, the foundation from which they lived in relationship with me. Uh, and that relationship began to make um, all of those words real to me. The fact of that you hear about God's steadfast love. You hear about God's self-giving love. You hear about a God who graciously um, pursues you and me. You hear about a God who desires to have a relationship with us based on his character rather than our performance. Um, you hear about uh, throughout the scope of the Bible about um, being sojourners, people who live in a foreign land and yet wherever they are having a community and having an ultimate home and a place um, in relationship with God. And, and I share all that with you because this prologue of John's gospel, that's exactly what it's talking about, is to say that God is real. Um, and, and that God is not just um, real, but also uh, God is personal. Uh, and, a God, and God has come into the world in a person, um, in Jesus. Uh, again, not, not vaguely, not generically, but God wonderfully, graciously, specifically has come into the world in a person, in the person of Jesus Christ. And, and the reason um, that God comes in the world is, is yes, that we might be people who are um, saved and reconciled and restored, uh, but also um, God comes in the world and, and part of God's nature um, is self-disclosure. Part of God's nature is self-disclosure. God um, has this desire um, to reveal himself to us. And one of the things that's interesting and unique about John's gospel, and it, and it, seems, uh, it, it seems a little obtuse or confusing, but Jesus often talks about, you know, I'm in the Father and the Father is in me and I am in you. Um, and he says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Uh, and if you know me, um, you know the Father, that I and the Father um, are one. Uh, and so would like for us to begin to reflect on that this morning the way that God uh, in Jesus Christ um, desires to reveal himself to us, the way that God um, is um, dramatically, um, unmistakably um, real. And so let me read now this first portion of John's Gospel. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God, whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, 
that came to bear witness about the light, the true light which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This is he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. And from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Uh, the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Um, so what we, we, we have a God um, who comes into the world who is entirely real, who desires to disclose himself to us, who desires for us to have in a relationship. And, and a little word of context about the community to whom John was writing. And to some degree, this is true, I guess, um, of, of any community. But it was a... Um, you, you had, uh, you remember one of the things that Paul says uh, at the beginning of 1 Corinthians when Paul is talking about coming to Corinth and he said, I presume to know nothing among you except Jesus and him crucified. Uh, that was, that was uh, what I presume to know among you and to make known to you. But one of the things that Paul notes rightly is that for the Jew, Christ crucified is a stumbling block. Uh, and for the Gentile, Christ crucified is folly. He says, you know, it's, it's, it's folly um, to the Gentiles um, and it's a stumbling block um, to the Jews. And so um, John is, is writing to a group of people um, who are in very different places. Um, you have the Jews who are looking for a Messiah. Um, they are looking for that living word to come into the world. That's, they're looking for that. As, as Wes talked about this morning in a sermon, there's a longing um, in them for the Messiah to come and to reveal himself and to come and uh, for God to put things to right as he had promised to do. Um, but, for the, but for the Greek, uh, you had a dramatically different, um, you had a dramatically different way of thinking about the world. There's a guy, Graham Tomlin, he wrote a book uh, called The Provocative Church and he's in uh, London. And it was interesting to me because he, um, Years ago, long before, and of course, in many ways, we live in that type of, uh, we still have, you know, a, a fairly Christian community, but, but in many ways, uh, we have plenty of folks who have sort of no faith um, whatsoever, or if they do, it's, it's, not a, it's not a Christian faith. And Tomlin and the people in London had experienced that long before us, and he, he talked about different people coming to his church, and I thought this was fascinating. He was talking with one guy who began to come to his church, uh, and he asked him why he came, and, and the guy said... Um, I was interested. I was just looking for a better and less superficial way of living. So we, we, we tend to think about, at least for you and for me that grew up in sort of Christian circles, sort of having this sense of burden um, about our sins uh, and wanting to have our sins forgiven, wanting to be reconciled. This guy had no burden about his sins. He wasn't at all worried about being reconciled to God. Sort of that tr traditional message of Christianity um, was completely foreign to him. But what he said is, I was... I just kind of came because I was looking for a, best, a better and less superficial way of living than just sort of 
um, acquisition and secular life, surely um, there is there is something more. Now, the reason I share that with you is this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning um, with God. So I'll ask you a simple question. Um, in the beginning, what does that make you think of? Creation, exactly. I just thought, you know, it's always good to have some, um, yeah, exactly. The, you think about the book of Genesis, the, be the beginning of the Bible. In, 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 the, in, the, in the beginning, um, in the beginning, we think, about, um, we think about creation. And of course, for the, uh, for the sort of religious person, for the religious Jew, uh, all, that, uh, all that imagery would, would be there of God creating a God bringing order out of chaos, bringing light um, into the darkness. So all this would be um, entirely resonant, this idea of the Lagos. But here's the interesting thing as well. To the Gentile, um, that would be resonant in a philosophical way. Notice what John's doing. I mean, it's, it's, very, um, it's, it's very subtle. I mean, of course, you and I read it with different eyes. But if you're just hearing this, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning and all things were made through him without him was not anything made that was made and him was life and the life um, was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. In a generic way, that sounds pretty good. Um, we all um, we all like the light, the shine. But here's the interesting thing. What they would have heard that Logos could have, been, in addition to quote the word as the religious person of Jesus's day and John's day would have thought of it, what the Greek would have heard would be um, the beginning rational principle. The beginning rational principle. And the beginning was the word. Basically, philosophy. There is this rational principle from which creation sprouted, uh, which creation began. It's, it's sort of an introduction of that before, um, <laughs> before John gets to the specificity of this beginning rational principle actually has a name. Uh, and this beginning rational principle actually um, has, a has a face. <clears throat> And he will actually um, take on um, take on human form. Uh, so we, we hear that at the very beginning, uh, John uh, is beginning to express his purpose. And wonderfully, um, John, in the gospel, if you remember, John tells us exactly why he wrote this book. Does anybody remember um, uh, John 20? What, what, is, what is Jesus, uh, excuse me, what does John say why he wrote um, the gospel? So that, so that we'll believe, you know, these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Um, John, John gets entirely um, specific. John, John is writing ultimately that, that we might believe. And, and I want to read, and this is, um, I'll go ahead and tell you, this is, this is, a, long, um, this is a long quote, but um, William Temple, I don't know if any of y'all have ever read William Temple's commentary on John's Gospel. It's, it's fantastic. Uh, William Temple, former Archbishop of Canterbury. And it's, um, it's, a, very, it's a very accessible um, commentary on John's gospel and um, recommend it to you. Um, but anyway, he, he talks about, uh, we, in, in New Testament studies, they, they talk about the synoptic gospels, right? Matthew, Mark, um, and Luke, and, and the way in which they um, draw from similar sources and in some way um, present the gospel in a, in a reasonably similar way. But then uh, you have the three synoptics, but then you have John's gospel. And, and obviously, to some degree, um, they're all the gospels. They all speak to Jesus Christ 
as the one who came to seek and to save us. But, but John's often has a very different feel um, than, than the other Gospels. And there's material which is unique um, to John's Gospel that, that differs from. And, and in some ways, uh, in John's Gospel, there's, there's less, um, well, there really isn't um, Jesus' parables. It's more long discourses and soliloquies uh, in John's Gospel. So in many ways, uh, it's the same subject um, but it's but it's uh, a different presentation. And let me read to you what William Tipple has to say, because I think it's uh, it's it's lovely and evocative of what we're trying to get to here. The synoptists may give us something more like the perfect photograph. Saint John gives us the more perfect portrait. So he describes the synoptists more as you know more you know Joe Friday. Um, there's there's an there's an accuracy. Um, there is a, there's a very different chronology, a, a, a photograph, where is, uh, he describes John's gospel as being more of a portrait. Um, and of course, Joe referenced the portraits out there. And if any of you know those people, um, they're, 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 they're wonderfully representative, but they're not photographs. Um, I, I thought, um, and I, I feel for Paul. Do you all remember when John Zoll came as one of our Lenten preachers? Um, John Zoll, Paul Zoll's son, and, and I... Um, I know this because I have a son, um, and John is in the pulpit, and he's talking about his father's portrait, and he says, you know, it's, 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 it's most unfortunate. It was during one of dad's fat stages, um, is, what, is, 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 what, is what John said, and I say that because my son's come up and patted my stomach before, and he's like, hey, nice fat pack, um, so... It's not just I can I can relate I can I can relate to that. So anyway, he's saying uh, John gives us John gives us this this portrait, and he does this as every artist must by letting his mind and his subject uh, interpenetrate one another and then expressing the result. We are likely of ourselves to come closer to the Lord by exercising our coarse faculties upon the more exact record of words spoken and deeds done than by entering into communion of thought and feeding with the mind of that disciple um, who lay breast to breast with God. And he's talking about, um, here's John, the beloved disciple. What he's inviting us uh, to in some ways is a, uh, is a sacramental reading of John's gospel to um, a, a devotional reading, a reflecting and allowing those words um, to work on us. And he says this, there's a truth of general import which is relevant here. Christ wrote no book he left in the world as his witnesses a body of men and women upon whom his spirit came. And so Temple's uh, beginning to speak here to the way that um, the life and the ministry, the death and the resurrection of Jesus uh, had an impact upon the men and the women um, who were around him and how in many ways they became the people who presented the gospel through all these various mediums, through their, through their selves. And obviously that's a word which comes down to you and to me as well. And he goes on, there was to be nothing stereotyped. The living society, the church, was to be the primary witness. The gospel was written by members of the church for their fellow members. And each is the gospel according to somebody. That's very much an evangelistic word. What reaches us is never a certified record, but always a personal impression. Thus, our concern is always with the Christ of faith, not with some supposed different Jesus of history. It is by the faith of others that our faith is kindled, even when that other is a synoptic evangelist. And this is true to the whole purpose and method of Christ and his mission. Had it been otherwise, the movement of the Spirit might have been fettered, but now it is free. 
Yet in the wisdom of God, there come to us two kinds of personal impression, both that which is more akin to the photograph and that which is more akin to the portrait. And each uh, illuminates the other. And he goes on and he says this, the fusion of the purely historical with the spiritual is part of the character and meaning of this gospel, which is not purely historical, nor in the proper sense mystical, but in the completest possible degree sacramental. Each conversation or discourse contained in the gospel actually took place, but it's so reported as to convey not only the sounds uttered and the meaning then apprehended, but the meaning which always there has been disclosed by lifelong meditation. Uh, so he's saying it's um, John is John is writing to us, yes, um, from uh, from what he saw and what he experienced, um, but also in the way of you and me as as ministers of the gospel, um, he's he's reflecting on the significance, on the import, on the relationship, and the way um, that that has affected them. So we hear that the word came, and of course, those magnificent words in him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not um, overcome it. In some translations, uh, the darkness cannot um, overcome it. Uh, that that word which we need to hear in, in, in every day and in every time. One of the things I love about the witness of the Bible that we see here in John's gospel is he doesn't um, hide from the fact of darkness but says that the light is greater, uh, that in Jesus, the light which comes into the world uh, is greater um, than any of the darkness. Lastly, I'll say this, because I'm looking at the time, and um, um, uh, we, I, I need to move, um, and, and some of y'all need to move, uh, some of y'all need to move, um, move as, as well. I had um, uh, a lot here that we're not going to get to today, so let me, um, uh, let me, let me summarize um, in this way, in, in 14, in John 1, 14, says this, And the word became flesh uh, and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. That, that word uh, is, is tabernacled. And if you remember the people of Israel back in the day when they were wandering through the wilderness, where would they go and meet God where he was tabernacled prior to the of the building of the temple. And what's amazingly communicated to us, God's desire for self-disclosure. He came and tabernacled among his people. Um, he came to us and made his dwelling um, among us. Uh, once again, that theme, such is the grace and the mercy and the loving pursuit of God. Um, um, how many of you choose to move to a worse neighborhood? Um, you know what? I don't like where I'm living. Let me find a neighborhood that's infinitely worse. Um, we have God and his grace and mercy um, who descends um, to come into tabernacle um, among us that, that our dwelling place might be with him, that we might be recipients of his grace upon grace, uh, that his light might be in the midst of our darkness greater um, than any of it in overcoming it. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time. Uh, thank you for this opportunity to gather together that you and Jesus, your son, desired to reveal yourself to us and came and dwelt among us. Fill us with the reality of that now and always, um, that we might live with you, uh, that we might find our life in you, um, that as you have so wonderfully, graciously loved us, that we would be recipients of that saving love, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.
You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you will join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.